don't know if it's you or me, but you're cutting it out a ton. Oh, really? Yeah. Nothing, 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 nothing. You, you, you didn't, I can hear you. You didn't hear any of that? You, no, I, you I, I can hear you now. You, do you hear me singing do 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 a second ago? No. Do do do. <laughs> Clippy! <laughs> My good old friend. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you just picked up your entire computer and moved it across Hood River. Anyway, while you were just talking, your sound totally sounds like there's like some Morris code going on, which is fine, <laughs> which is fine. It doesn't bother me, but. So I heard something like that a while ago and I got a new cable. I got a whole new XLR cable. I thought it went away, but that's you can definitely hear that. So is my gain up too high? Maybe Hood River is like a secret base. There's. All right, one more test. Final test, hopefully. Levels are lower. See if this adjustment helps with the little beeping in the background, because I'm still hearing it. Checking the volume. Now I hear nothing. Might just have to do a hard reset. You're doing a reset? No, I said you might just have to do a hard reset. Whoa, you just turned something on. I can't hear you again. All right, welcome in. Hello, Rip City. To all the fans here in Portland and Hood River and anywhere in between, welcome in to Trailcasters, hosted by yours truly, Chris, the bully Burkhart, who bullied Keith right out of here. Right out of here. Wait, so are, are you hearing me right now? Barely. Sound like you're trapped underwater. Nothing. 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 Your mouth's moving on. Yeah, and obviously I'm set up in the living room right now, so this is not going to be the permanent thing. This is just what I have to do for the day. Hello, Rip City. To all of you in town and out of town and every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. Here with you from Hood River, my name is Keith Feltner-Smith, and here with me, he goes from Trailcaster's guest early on in his career to a resume reference for yours truly, to a co-worker for yours truly, now co-host, the master of segues, Christopher Joseph Burkhart. What's up, man? How you doing? Hey, 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 what's up? It only took us like 10 hours to get this bad boy rolling, <laughs> but here we are. Look, the first podcast in my new house, we're no longer in the rental. Uh, this nice echoey living room here is uh, is is my is our place. We live here now. It's we own it. It's I'm, I'm excited. Obviously, uh, we're yeah. still getting moved in, and eventually I will actually be in the in the uh, the, the studio upstairs. It's gonna be a great spot for getting our podcast going and hopefully getting our YouTube channel going and all the rest of it coming up this season, season five of the Trailcasters with Keith and Chris or Chris and Keith. Yeah, yeah. Which one? I'll okay. let you. You've been here longer. I'll let your name go first. Keith and Chris. Okay, we settled. I like a deal. Shake. Uh, what did you do this weekend? How was uh? We were going to record last week, and now I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever because I've just been moving boxes back and forth for what feels like an eternity. What have you been up to? Hey man, it's 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 the most wonderful time of the year. I was watching college football all Saturday. <laughs> got some NFL action in on Sunday. Then Blazers media day, which was uh, it was. It was equal parts fun and depressing, if we're gonna be honest, because <laughs> because it's just what I do. I mean, yeah. hey, I'm filming, I, I'm I'm doing this bad boy with you, so you gotta be on your toes, right? So there I was tweeting, watching Media Day, tweeting about Media Day. It's cool, I love it, but at the same time, I'm like, this is this is the first time since uh, 2014 that I'm not getting paid to send these tweets during Media yeah. Day. <laughs> I wasn't on the clock. Uh, Rest in peace, NBC Sports Northwest. But oh man, so so not getting paid to go to Media Day sucks. The Blazers took me off their official Slack channel because I'm not not with NBC anymore. Oh, so, man, I, I don't even have twist, that. Even. I, 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 I went from credentialed member of the media, living the dream, to I'm now I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to re-download StubHub or SeatGeek or whatever the cool app is to buy tickets now. And I'm gonna have to go in the old-fashioned way until someone hires me, which I hope happens. But let me tell you what. It's a fun time to be employed because, uh, yeah, the the sports journalism industry, yeah, it's not competitive at all. So, yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. just spent my weekend watching sports and getting ready for this episode. That's all I did. We're going to have to have an episode at some point in the future, probably even next off season, because there's probably going to be so many more Blazer things co- talking about coming up. Uh, but just you've probably seen such a difference uh, going from like 2014 
like as far as where social media was, what kind of role it played, and digital stuff to where it is now in 2021. Uh, right. That's there's been a lot of change, I bet. I imagine through the through the years, but there is a ton we, of change. And uh, as I as I interview for jobs. And when I was working with people, I've always said, and this is my firm belief on when you're dealing in social media and digital media in general, is that if you're talking to someone who claims that they know it all, they've proved to you that they know nothing. Because so, social <laughs> media and digital media changes so damn quickly that you'll never oh, yeah. know it all. You, you have to be ready to adjust on the fly. I mean, here's the thing. like When I started, it was like Facebook, right? Like Twitter was still fairly brand new, but like Facebook was driving all the traffic and Facebook still does. People do all the young people cracked me up because the, the youngs are very into the, the Snapchats and the TikToks, <laughs> right? Which is great. I love, I love all social media cause I'm, I'm just into it. It's what I do for a living, but it's crazy because they always tell you that nobody uses Facebook anymore. Right. Nobody right. uses Facebook. And it's then you the look at the people an- social media. Yeah. But then you look at the analytics and Facebook dro- drives more traffic than every other social media combined. It's Flex. unbelievable how much traffic Facebook drives. But then you went to Twitter's and the Instagram's you did like Snapchat was getting really big. So we started doing Snapchat, but then Snapchat kind of died out from a sports perspective. And now TikTok's big. It's always changing, man. It's, it's kind of the fun part of it, of the wild, Wait. wild west that is digital media. TikTok's big in the sports perspective. Like, are, are you gonna have a TikTok account, dude? Have you not paid attention to the fact that like all the the entities are starting to roll out TikTok accounts? Apparently not. I've not noticed the TikTok trend get into sports. Like, I understand the social it's got, media. It's, it's go. Time, it's going to get there. Come on, TikTok just wow. passed YouTube for the most most viewed oh like boy. video views for a website. Like, there are more. There, people are spending more hours watching TikTok than they are watching YouTube right now, which is crazy to think about because YouTube is a is a giant right so well, it's only a matter of time difference. there's got to be some like you know, kind of skewed analytics there right like because tiktok is all short videos right versus youtube where you have people doing longer channels kind of is that is that not accurate am i that out of touch is tiktok not just short videos anymore i don't know how they do digital media out there in hood river keith but you <laughs> might be out you, you might be out of touch I'm sure I am. I have no doubt I am. But hey, I do want to loop back for a second. Obviously, I can't give you a paycheck like what NBC could give you or probably what most of the uh, NBA entities could give you. But uh, I, I picked up a new a new hobby this weekend, and it might be worth at least some sort of some form of bribery uh, for when I need your, your help with podcast editing or getting our, our YouTube stuff or Twitter spaces launched. More on that coming in the future. Chris, I learned to make sourdough bread this weekend. I am stoked on this. <laughs> I, I, nice. are, you, are you a sourdough bread guy? I, I do enjoy my sourdough bread. I don't make it, but I, I do enjoy it. But Shout out to my guy, Paul, a hey. uh, long, long-term friend. I've worked with him before in the beer industry. He uh, came over, helped us with some moving stuff this weekend, and he taught me. He brought me some starter for the sourdough that he has. We spent a day, an afternoon, teaching me how to make bread. I made two loaves. They are both already. I gave one to our neighbor friends, and the other one's almost gone already. I'm making more probably tonight after the podcast or tomorrow. It's awesome. It's fun. And sourdough is tasty when it's made at home. It's easy. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I have a new hobby here. And if you like sourdough, I I, uh, I have at least some sort of minimal paycheck idea for you. I don't know. That's why that's why you're out of touch. The only TikTok you know is the timer on the on the oven. <laughs> I got an oven timer, a microwave timer, like a yeah. an egg timer in there. You got cell phone timer. Yeah, it's a yeah, but uh TikTok. Not that's not my time. Uh so let's actually <laughs> Oh wait, wait. The one other thing that I did this weekend that I wanna uh, wanna kind of flex on here, word pun intended, we picked up for a nice steal. A Bowflex Max Trainer. You see where that wordplay came in there? Uh, so, I, you know, shout out to Danny Meringue. Uh, his little whole thing about always getting off his uh, his Peloton before he was coming on the air when we were doing no show for NBC back in the day. That's going to be my new thing, Chris. I'm going to come in here just sweaty as, as all just You know, I've been like, doing my little my Max Trainer, my stair climber upstairs, burning off this belly. I'm getting back in shape, man. It, it's uh, the, 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 the belly fat doesn't fly around here in, in Hood River where hey. you're doing outdoors all, all summer. Hey, if you're talking about making money in the side hustle, $10 a month, I'll let you have a membership to Casa de Burkhart. The, the garage awesome. gym is legit. <laughs> I got, I got, oh, I got the full. Hey, I got the full on, the full on squat rack, trap bars. I got a lap pull machine back there. It's, oh, okay, it's, okay. It's a twenty-four hour fitness without the membership fees for me, baby. Welcome into Swolecasters. <laughs> you know who else is getting a good welcome? Dame. Dame was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, I think last week at some point, Hall of Fame of Weber State. 
that is. I know he's, it's that, a little early for the Hall of Fame. That yeah, time. Threw, threw you for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, stoked for him. Uh, but they should have inducted court. him into the Hall of Fame the minute he got drafted. <laughs> yeah, like, just straight holy, in. Holy hell, one of our guys got drafted? Hall of Fame. Retires Hall jersey. Just Here we go. <laughs> Weaver State's on the map. Uh, yeah, they, they were, they're paying respects, though, and it was, it was cool to see him kind of going back. And uh, he... he He's had a. We talked about his wedding on the last episode a couple weeks ago. He's had a lot going on, and his backcourt mate as well, CJ. He's gonna be a daddy. Uh, but he also just had his birthday. CJ celebrated his birthday on Sunday, September nineteenth, right before. Uh, uh, you know, shout out to my wife here, and this is the reason, Chris, that we we're recording today, mostly not yesterday. Is my wife just had her birthday nine days after CJ McCollum. So the August, uh, end of August, when my birthday is into September here. This is just the time for all those, all those uh, birthday celebrations. It's it's rocking along. When's your hey, birthday? November fifth, baby. Okay, there we go. See, we got all these all these fall birthdays. Fall, you're on the the late end of fall, but I'll I'll give you I'll excuse you for it. You know, I'm not gonna hold it against you. That's fine. That's fine. But okay. if her birthday's around the same time as CJ's, when's she gonna buy a winery? Ah, that is a good point. That's a very good question. Uh, we are out here in wine country, and our house here does actually have one little wine plant. What would you call that? It's not a vineyard, obviously. We have a vine. We have a, a vine yeah, in our backyard. You have a, a grapevine. We have a grapevine, and it's wine grapes. And so, you know, we'll get a maybe a bottle a year at some point if I can get this thing up, vined up around the trellis. But CJ McCollum, he bought 318 acres out in Carlton, Oregon. Uh, and I think I heard some report that it's a 318-acre vineyard, but I also think I heard that he's got the land to prepare to build a vineyard. So I'm not sure exactly how far along this is. But either way, we're going to have some some uh, McCollum vintage coming up in the near future. And I'm, I'm for it, man. I'm definitely getting into the wine more and more, especially out here in wine country in Hood River. Absolutely. It's good stuff. What do you drink more of? Uh, wine, seltzer, beer, cider? Uh, beer, and then cocktails, and then wine, and then seltzer if it's the only thing in the fridge and I really want something. I have seltzer. Sorry, y'all. The White Claw summer was cool and all, but uh, <laughs> seltzer, is, seltzer is overrated. Yeah, we uh, we we were doing the seltzers pretty big for a while. Cider's pretty big for a while too. I drank way too much beer when I was working in beer and trying to get away from that now. Just again for the, drinking too much beer is just is fighting my Bowflex uh, influences and motivations here. But wine is good, man. Wine's tasty. It's you don't have to have too much of it, and you can have a nice relaxed evening. Uh, again, there's lots of great vintages out here, and I want to add the McCollum one to to our our eventual wine rack whenever we get one. Of those I'm a big rocks. fan of the Terramana, the Rocks uh, tequila. It is phenomenal. Ooh, if you okay. haven't oh. tried it and you're of legal drinking age, you need to do so. But no one no one chimed in and popped on this podcast to listen to our alcohol talks. We got to talk basketball. Are you Let's sure? Because CJ talks wine all day, man. Like, we could just sit here and do a, a, a wine podcast if we're done. No, okay. We, we just had media day. Let's talk media day. Uh <laughs> Uh, so media day was Monday, and before we get to the Blazers, let's let's again stall this out a little bit more. We do have to talk about. We're not going to stick on this too long, but we have to talk about some of the some of the some of the teams with a little more drama going around going on around the league than the Blazers have. Because honestly, as much as we have had some crazy stuff with Dame this summer uh, and all the stuff about will he get traded, does he want to be in Portland and the rest, there are some other teams dealing with some players causing some real waves. Uh, and namely, we're talking about Kyrie Irving, Andrew Wiggins. Uh, who was the other one I'm thinking of here? Uh, Michael Porter Jr. just came out as well, and and uh, Aunt, uh, Jonathan Isaac, uh, Jonathan Isaacs, the one down in Orlando, right? Um, these guys coming out hard against COVID vaccinations uh, when the league is trying to boast that they are 90% vaccinated. And again, Chris, you and I were talking about this earlier. It's a good thing that the yep. NBA, NBA can say 90%. That's higher than the national average for sure. But these squeaky wheels, man. The, these guys uh, that not only refuse to 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 do what's maybe for the better of most people, they they are they're doing it in ways that just seems to rub things wrong. Kyrie Irving wasn't allowed to be at the Nets facility for media day, so he's on Zoom calls and he's basically asking every answer that he gave in regards to COVID or vaccinations. He was saying, "Please respect my privacy. Don't want to talk about it." Andrew Wiggins little more confrontational in his media stuff out in the Bay. Their laws in San Francisco about not being allowed in the building without being vaccinated don't kick in until next month. So he was at media day. But when he was being asked, he just, the answers just aren't mature, man. I don't have the quote right in front of me here, but he's just basically saying, it's my business, not yours. And it's like, actually, no, the media people that you're talking my to is their business. The it's literally their job. <laughs> yeah. 
it's they're making they're acting like they're they're victims here like they're uh, i mean again there is not a mandate we talked about this the other week uh but it's just it wait like, again the, the other thing that i said last week is we're gonna know the the idea that we weren't going to find out what players were against the vaccine it, it was going to come out uh if not on media day it's going to come out soon because we have right now two markets new york and san francisco affecting three teams the knicks the nets and the warriors where they are restricting if you will be able to play home games without being vaccinated uh now again you have a little more details on this and the weird kind of the, the weird differences as far as uh, home games versus road games and who is affected in what ways it's, it is getting hairy already, but can you kind of break this down a little more for me? Well, this is where I defend Andrew Wiggins a little oh, bit and God. pause, but be, be, no, no, that's why I said pause <laughs> before everyone freaks out. It has, it has nothing to do uh, with his stance on vaccines, whether he's vaccinated or not, whether he's anti-vax pro-vax, none of that matters in this scenario. Where I do defend uh, Wiggins a little bit is I, I, the San Francisco mandate is weird because it's it's a, not the state of California, it's not an NBA thing, it's the city of San Francisco requiring these the, the vaccination, and their ability to enforce that is limited. So I believe the city of San Francisco has said you know along the lines of the fact that you know our abilities are basically only to enforce this with companies who employ their employers or employees within the city of San Francisco. That would be the Golden State Warriors, Chase Center right there in San Francisco. Um, but that is why visiting players who are coming in who are not vaccinated can play when they come to Chase Center. And it's because the city of San Francisco says, well, their employers aren't in city of san francisco so we can't really enforce our rule upon them they have they get to do kind of what they do so it's crazy so kyrie irving and the nets can come into chase center and kyrie irving who's not vaccinated can play but andrew wiggins who's not vaccinated cannot because he's an employee of a of a team that's within the city of san francisco so i think that is it, i don't like the overall enforcement of that because it's just like now it has that's where you can argue like it has less to do with being vaccinated and not and more to do right. with where you're working and who you're working for so i do defend wiggins there because i think if i think that's a little frustrating but at the same time this is all taken care of if you're like the blazers and you're 100 percent vaccinated um so you know it's, the, it's, the other, just, it's, it's all crazy to me the other side of this is the way they're arguing it the the way that Kyrie. Kyrie's doing just that typical thing of, you know, respect my privacy, kind of giving that, that repeated answer. We've seen it before when players are kind of irked with media and with having to talk about certain things. But Andrew Wiggins, uh, some of these other players, the, the you hear this line about, I'm holding out until I can do my own research, or the stuff about it's a personal decision, respect my privacy, it's my business, not yours. That's not going to hold water. Like, it just, it's, it's not good enough. You have to realize people see through that at this point. Right. Like, it's, 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 it's the new, it's the new trust me. Like I, like I told yeah. you earlier, <laughs> exactly. it's, it's the new trust me. It, it's when someone is, is done arguing, but they have no merit or no info to actually support their argument. So they're just going to go with right. trust me. Right. So they're now that's the, it's, I'm just going to wait a little bit. I'm going to do my own research. You've been doing this now for a year and a half. The research is out there. I think it'd be really helpful for some of these people who are on the fence who haven't got the vaccine. Like if Andrew Wiggins were to go out there and be like, you know, personally, I just want to do a little bit more research. So I've been reading these published journals. I've been listening to these doctors. I've been doing like I I have set up meetings. So like, like lay out the groundwork to how you're doing yeah. the research. Because you know what? maybe that will lead someone else who's on the fence to go, oh, well, I want to go read what this journal has to say too. And then that, like, like get positive information out there. Like, yeah. like I, I, I'm down for that. Like, I'm yeah. down. I've, like, I've, like, I get it. If you, if, if there are people who are just so vaccine averse, the idea of it freaks them out. I totally understand. But don't just say you're going to go do your research and then just sit on your hands and not do anything. Go do your research, figure that, it out. I mean, and if they've and had two years, man, this isn't new at this point. Like if they haven't done yeah. their research yet, I don't understand what it is they're waiting for. And uh, to be, I, like you are more patient even than I am. I don't, I don't understand to be vaccine averse in a professional sport. You've had so many shots. 
you've been given so many medications or prescriptions or 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 treatments over the over the years uh even the normal person who's not a professional athlete we've had vaccinations all our life dame had some great quotes on media day that we'll we can get to later on this where he uh yeah, we'll get to the details on that later. But he he mentioned you've we've all gotten vaccines our entire life, athletes even more so than most. The idea that suddenly they are so vaccine averse that they're going to make it, take a public stance and not do this when it's costing them money on their job, it's hard for someone to tell me that is not politically influenced. That some of these guys just are drinking the Kool Aid of Fox News and things like that. Like it's just it's I I'm with you. They. They are allowed to have their own stance. You are allowed to kind of say, I'm an individual and I don't have to just fall in line just because. But you need to give a reason. You have a podium here. And like you said, if you if you really have a legit reason to not want this vaccine, say something about it. Because maybe someone else out there that's thinking the same thing can now feel more comfortable to do it. If all you're going to do is say, I have my reasons or it's my private thing and not yours. You look like an ah. you, you, you look uninformed. You look, you look stubborn. You look ignorant. You don't look... Uh, like anyone that should be being paid millions of dollars to be to entertain us as an athlete, it's 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 just it's an odd thing. It's odd, an odd hill to die on. Anyway, it's, it's wild. Yeah. It's wild, yeah. and it could be worse. I mean, Bradley Beal treating COVID like it's a joke. It's oh, ridiculous. Beal was the other one. Thank you. Beal was the other name I couldn't. Remember. I mean, dude, that's sit, even him, worse. Him sitting there like, but you can still get it, right? But yeah. you can still get it. Please. He's acting like, like it's a gotcha statement. He's like, oh, I Jesus. gotcha that one. Like, none of you saw that coming. Come on, dude. Because <laughs> uh, tell me you know nothing about how vaccines work without telling me you know nothing about how vaccines work. The right. flu, flu vaccine has been rolled out year after year after year, and people still get the flu. Not yeah. complete complete resistance to the to the to the 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 flu or COVID. It's just not going to happen at this point. But what it does is it keeps people who do get, who do happen to have breakthrough cases from getting severely sick, from having to go to the hospitals. You've been reading horror stories of people with other illnesses, whether it be heart attacks or, uh, you know, injuries from, you know, guns or a traffic accident, whatever it is, going to the hospital and being turned, turned down because there's no room in the hospital because they're filled with COVID patients. Because of all these so idiots. It's just like, it's not a joke. There's so like it's not. So yeah, it's it's, I, it's, it's, it's it's just crazy. It's just crazy, man. I, it's it's crazy to me to hear. Yeah, like Bradley Beal's statements. It, he he for anyone that has not heard this, just to be clear, he was being questioned on why he isn't vaccinated. He openly said he's not vaccinated. He owned up to it. And again, we want players to own it and and say why. His perspective though that he gave, like Chris is saying, uh, was basically, well, the vaccine doesn't keep you from getting covid it's like no the like the point is to not be hospitalized the point is to reduce uh the effect it has and if, if we want to talk about diseases that you can no longer get it's not just because a vaccine got out for them it's because there was a vaccine and people had to stay home or people did other things to isolate and now we don't have to deal with some of these horrible sicknesses in the past but the vaccine was never is, is not going to make you invincible it, the the idiocy man again if you haven't done the research yet brad hey, if you haven't figured this out what the f- are you doing with your time yeah these people uh, that are denying denying it or next thing you're going to tell me like the you know the black death didn't happen either whatever <laughs> it's it's wild it's like it's it's a it's a tough time honestly it's 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 stressful for so many people um it's it hasn't been fun the last year and a half and like that's why like I said, I'm not publicly like going out there telling the whole world I got the vaccine, but it's like here, it's like that's why I'll tell you, like that's why I got the vaccine because if I can do my part to return any of the normalcy back, I'm gonna do it. And so yeah. yeah, you do that, and yeah, it's just it's just it's just wild to me. It's I don't get it. And the thing is, Vincent Goodwill uh, wrote an article. Yeah, yeah. Um, go ahead. Mike Mike Richmond uh, retweeted it, so go find that very Shut good up. article. And his point that he made on all this, I think, is freaking hilarious but he's like all these nba players guys like Kyrie, who said it numerous times will sit here and go you know all these blog boys these podcasters even the guys who are you know legit paid journalists they don't know the game but they sit there and they criticize us and they They write like they know the game but they've never played the game they don't know what they're talking about (laughs) and now you got a guy who has never stepped foot in a lab in his entire life like i know what i know everything i need to know about vaccines I know more than the doctors. I'm going to do my own research because I don't need to trust the doctor's research. Like, here's the thing. I know basketball. 
I know basketball. I also know that if Damian Lillard comes up to me and wants to explain the pick and roll to me, I'm going to sit there and listen to every <laughs> word he has to say because I know that he knows more about the pick and roll than I do. Like, I can yeah. know, I can have knowledge and trust my own knowledge, but when someone comes to me who obviously knows more about it than I do, I'm going to go, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to listen to every word you say. This is really cool. Thank you for telling me that I didn't know, and now I know more. Oh, man, my knowledge space has grown. But again, we're talking about the same guy who goes out there and says the world is flat. So. The earth is flat. <laughs> Moving again, on. Keith, the, Keith, yeah. I hate to burst your bubble. I don't want to talk about COVID. Let's talk about basketball. Yeah, yeah. And again, like, like we said earlier, the, the Blazer, in in comparison to all the rest of this the blazers have not had any of the near any of the kind of drama related to covid they they did say the team is fully vaccinated all the staff is fully vaccinated the blazers they we had our issues earlier this summer with the new coach with all the dame drama but at this point we are looking forward to the season we're moving ahead and let's yes, talk sir. about let's talk about what the team is talking about so media day who who did you who caught your ear the most, Chris? You were taking some great notes on here uh, on our little our little shared Google Docs uh, for the show, but uh, I kind of came back and forth. I, I dropped some things in here and there. There were some nice bits. I I I want to touch on Nurk. I obviously want to touch on some of what Dame said. Uh, who kind of caught your ear the most? Uh, what what, well, what stood out? Well, he started off the 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 events because he always has to. But I mean, Neil Olshay, I could. <laughs> If you would have closed your eyes and just had someone play the audio of this this oh media God. day versus <laughs> media day in 2015 or media day in 2016, you wouldn't have been able to tell the difference. They yep. all sound the same. It's Olshay-isms. He says the exact same stuff every single yep. year. It's it's point it's pointless. Um, I hate the I I. I I don't like the way he approaches the media. I don't like the whole like, well, you know what, Jason? Well, right. Sean, that like, because he doesn't do it from a. It's so condescending. It's condescending, it. exactly. But, but, uh, so nothing he said was was a surprise. Um, I get it. Uh, I think he did drop a quote about saying like this is like the most depth they've had since 2015, and I think that's weird because I thought the team in 2019 had a lot of depth too. Right. I mean, yeah. There was. I think it was Kevin Pelton. Shout out to him. He had, uh, tweeted about that. He said uh, that exact line. I feel like this has been said before by Olshay at other media, um, other media days. And someone came back with screenshots on Twitter of quotes from Neil Olshay. I think it was in 2015 and 2019 of where he said this is the most depth the, the Blazers have ever had uh, in while I've been here or something like that. He said same quote, same kind of line, uh, almost verbatim. And yeah, that's that's what you get from Olshay. It's the same kind of repeated stuff. And also, you mentioned Mike uh, Richmond earlier. Shout out to him again. Hey! He made a good point on his podcast recently too. This is probably the last we'll hear from Olshay for the rest of the season. He doesn't tend to talk a whole lot during the year. He just comes out at the beginning of the year, condescends the media, kind of slaps people around for asking the questions that media is generally gonna ask when things like this happen in the off season, and then he disappears uh, and leaves the rest up to Billups and and the and the team. Uh, and honestly, one part that's unfortunate about what's gone on with uh, NBC Sports Northwest and, and the team moving to Root and this and that is Root is not invested in their website. So there's not going to be yeah. any website content like there was with me and NBC Sports Northwest. And another thing is he's, he's, he's easy to love. He's easy to hate. I don't get why he's so polarizing because I love the guy. But Dwight James. Dwight James had a, a, a good working relationship Um with Neil Olshay and honest to God, if you really paid attention, there was not a lot of Neil Olshay interviews during the season, but Dwight was always going to guarantee you one or two. And he was going to get some info during the season from him. Um, and without NBC sports Northwest and that Avenue, you, you might be losing that. It's just, yeah. it's uh, kind of unfortunate to, to lose that. I'm going to miss working with NBC. It's people, people loved us. People hated us, but man, it was a fun group of people to work with. I'll tell you that. Um, so that's going to be interesting, but, but really going back to Olshay and, and everything, um, like I said, nothing he said really, really stuck out. It was exactly what I expected. Um, and, and to be fair, I think he plays a lot close to the vest. He doesn't let anybody in the door, uh, into yeah. what's going on. So you're never going to get let in. Um, but what really did stand out in everything was, was Billups. I thought Billups had go. a yeah. great press conference. Um, and it's kind of like, like, when people were upset during his introductory press conference, it had nothing to do with like his approach to the answer and the question. It was the whole shutting down of the question. People just wanted to hear him talk and get his. Yeah, thing. Was that, he didn't and, get to and answer, he was given, essentially. Yeah, he was given the chance to talk and, and really let people in uh, here. And I thought he did a great job. And the thing that really stuck out to me was just the overabundance of 
putting an emphasis on defense. It really, really sounds like the defensive approach from this team is going to be different than anything we've ever seen. And the key word of the day was accountability. It was making players accountable for when they mess up. And that was calling out. Like, if if Dame screws up, he's going to call Dame out. If Nurk screws up, he's going to call Nurk out. And the thing is, these players like that. Every single player talked about it, and they said how it's kind of refreshing. And uh, I, I, I tweeted as much. I've texted you about this. Talking to players uh, on the team now and having talked to players who have been traded from the team and go, what's the biggest difference between Portland and your new team? And kid you not, every single time, the answer was accountability. Accountability. Coach calls us out when we mess up. Coach gets mad at us when we have a blowout loss. That didn't happen with Terry. The team wants that. And that's not a knock on Terry. It's just a different coaching approach. Uh, so I think the accountability is going to be really, really key here. And I think it's going to lead to hopefully an improved defensive squad. Yeah. And one of the, the phrases that I think is kind of stuck out already from, from Billups, at least on media day that I've heard other people kind of latch onto was uh, putting an address on it, kind of his way of talking about the accountability where he's not just going to, you know, if something's wrong on defense, he's not going to be like, Hey guys, we need to do this more kind of this general, like, Hey, make sure you're speeding up here that people aren't necessarily going to be feeling like they're being held responsible. He's going to put an address on it. Like say, Dame, you are not fighting over the screen hard enough, you know, or, or, you know, Nurk, you're not getting in there and setting this on time. You're late. Uh, and that kind of thing, you know, it, if we see that, that probably is going to be markedly different from like, even last year, we heard at times from Stas, we heard him give quotes saying that he didn't believe in holding players accountable in that individual way. And like you said, yeah. I'm not trying to say it's just going to be, it's not like Stas did things horrible, but this was just an area of his kind of coaching philosophy that might've been a little lacking for what this group of players need. Yeah. And there was another thing that Larry Nance uh, Jr. said later on about it too, where he said, um, he, he said, the big thing about our defensive approach right now uh, is that letting everybody know that we have your back. He's like, yeah. if you get beat, he go, I love the quote. He said, if you get beat one on one, just know that we have your back and we're gonna we're gonna get you on the back. And he goes, but you shouldn't be but beat one on one. You can't be beat one on one. Yeah, you can't be. But beat if you are, <laughs> just know that we have your back. And if yeah. the whole defensive play, uh, you know, crumbles whatever we're not gonna that's not gonna deflate us we got each other's back we're gonna rebound we're gonna get those defensive stops um so i like that i think it's gonna be really interesting to see the defensive approach uh secondly huge thing that stood out to me with billups and again i loved it loved it it's the accountability thing and it's so funny that when a coach says it everyone's like yeah 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 but when i say it or a member of the media says it you're being you're wrong (laughs) you don't know what you're talking about because keith you can verify how many times have i said that Yusuf Nurkic needs to slow down. He, oh, yeah. he His brain goes too fast on the offensive end, and it leads to a lot of those shot put style shots. He just doesn't think the game. He just kind of goes. He has to slow down and really take the game over. It's something that Ennis Cantor did extremely well. But what did Coach Billups say in the press conference? He said that he wants to get more opportunities in the paint because that's going to open up the three-point shot, especially in the corner. And then he specifically started to talk about Yusuf Nurkic. And what did he say about Yusuf Nurkic? He said that Yusuf Nurkic needs to slow down. He needs to be more more aggressive in the block. He needs to use his size and his skill set to get easy buckets. He called out Nurk for the exact same things that that media people have said who get just (laughs) nailed for. But he said this, and he's not wrong. And the thing was, Nurk knows it because Nurk, Nurk talked about it, and Nurk, Nurk accepted it. Like, too, yeah, yeah. I, I need to be a better part of that. I need to do this, and that's that's where that accountability comes in. It's it's the coach saying, Nurk, you're good, but this is what I need you to do better. And then Nurk going, Yeah, coach, you're right. You're right. Let's find a way to do that. And if if he can, if if Chauncey Billups can find a way to make him slow down when he's in the paint and just really use his skill set, then you could be on the cusp of a career-type year from Yusuf Nurkic, especially when you factor in that Billups reiterated more than once that he wants to get him more involved on the elbow as a facilitator because he thinks he's one of the best facilitating big men in the game. So I think there's going to be a huge emphasis on Yusuf Nurkic this season. Yeah, I, I think Nurk is in for a big year. We've heard other comments too about even just the uh, uh, the, the contract year situation, right? You always see. I think Nurk said things about that where you tend to just perform bigger in in those years. But when you have Billups making these comments right off the bat, and Nurk definitely echoed the same kind of thing. Uh, let's talk about Nurk for a second and some of his comments uh, when he was up there. 
I am excited because he he does seem stoked to have Billups in there. He seems like he has gotten the impression that Billups is going to give him a bigger role. He also said some things though that were a little strange. He talked about if he gets a bigger role, if he's taking more shots, that that means maybe CJ and Dame aren't going to, and they'll be happy about it or something. I'm trying to remember exactly how his quote went. Uh, it wasn't the biggest deal in the world. It could have just been some sort of translation issue. And, and you know, there's also some truth to the fact that if one person's shooting, that means other people are maybe averaging a few less. If Nurk is playing a bigger role, you're gonna those shot attempts come from somewhere. The big one though, when he's talking about his excitement for Billups, did you not think he threw Stotts under the bus like a little more than he probably needed to? No, I don't think so. I think you I think, think so. No, I think he said, you know, he said same stuff that we've all been saying that, you know, he liked the accountability. He said that was something that was missing here in Portland. Like, so yeah, he quote threw starts under the bus, but not in a negative way. Like, dude, like I, more than oh, one man. person has said this about Terry Stotts. I don't, I don't find it to no, be I, all I, that negative. Like I find it to be like, that's who Terry Stotts was more of that player style coach. And this wasn't what the right. team needed. No, I'm, I'm not even talking he, about the defensive thing. I, I, I wish I had the quote in front of me. I should have written this one down in our notes. But uh, it's it was less about the defensive thing. I just feel like Nurk almost went out of his way with some of the comments to not just highlight Billups, oh. but to kind of throw like, you know, this well, idea that he's never been. He said he's never been appreciated before. And it's like, come on, dude. You, you were made a central part of the offense as soon as you got here. Like you were picked up as a, as a kind of an extra part of the trade package. And we turned you into a central part of the offense for multiple okay. seasons until you got injured. Okay, I, I get what you're saying, but I also get what Nurk's saying because it kind of goes back to what um, what C, uh, what Coach Billups said. And I also think Larry Nance was the one that kind of said it too. And that was the thing that, like, they both talked about how you didn't have the defensive game plan for Portland because you knew what you were getting. You were getting yeah, heavy yeah, doses. Yeah, the same thing every time. You were, you, were, you were getting heavy doses of Damon CJ. And like you just said, you were getting the same thing every single time. Yeah. So translation, a little bit of what you said, maybe it was something lost in translation. I think that's what Nurk meant when he said, if I get more shots, it makes Dame and CJ happy. Because you more, know what? More varied offense. Yeah, okay. Dame, Dame knows that he can take over games. But Dame doesn't want to have to take over every single game because then you get what happens in these playoff runs where teams just just blitz the hell out of Dame, double team CJ, and no one else can step up and make those buckets. It has to be Dame, CJ, or bust. So I think Nurk sits there and goes, if I can get more involved, do these things that Coach Billups is alluding to and become a better offensive player, it's going to relieve the pressure off those two and it's going to make them happy. And I think that's where he came, where, where he's coming from when he says he wasn't appreciated, which I think is a weird way of saying it because the team loves Nurk. But Nurk is also that that type of player that always likes to put a little bit of extra chip on his shoulder. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. Like again, it's not a bad thing. That's just how. No, some that's all. I just feel like he's he's um, doing that by kind of digging on Stotts a little. But yeah, go go ahead. But I think that's what he's saying. Like because how many times did Terry Stotts automatically go? Damon CJ can save us, and then rely on Damon CJ to save you, rather well, than finding ways to get the team to do it. E even in the playoffs, though, the problem here wasn't that Stotts didn't want to play Nurk. The problem was that Nurk couldn't keep himself on the floor. Oh like no! He, he for would sure. foul out constantly, and he he plays too emotionally. Nurk, it was, it was it was part on Nurk for not having a bigger role here because he couldn't keep himself playing smart. He gets too emotional, or like you said, he's playing too quick, gets ahead of himself, and can't complete what should be an easy play for him to complete complete at the rim. To throw it all on Stotts, I just felt it was a little disingenuous. But also, like we said, he's an emotional player. He he hypes himself up for the season a little bit by kind of throwing some shade. Uh, it's it's not the most mature thing, but you know it's just maybe what we should expect from Nurk at this point. And it is what it is. It is. Yeah, what it, is. it is. Criticism of Stotts is definitely fair at this point. Um, but to be, but also it's it's not like he was the only problem. There's a lot of philosophical problems that need to be fixed there. Um, but yeah, I think it's just it's Nurk. Like you just come yeah. to expect. I don't know. I don't want to call him out too bad because I don't want him to tell me that, you know, I got to change my profile <laughs> picture and I'm a loser or I'm a clown or a robot or whatever the hell, you know. He's, yeah, and see, that's the same say. kind of thing. He, he goes after these people on social media in a way. It's like, okay, fine, do you. But also maybe hints at like, you know, this guy wears his heart on his sleeve. And that's it's that is a to keep the whole kind of, you know, uh, um, <laughs> uh, similes going here um, or the metaphors going, excuse me. He keeps, he wears his heart on his sleeve and that is a double-edged sword. It, it benefits yeah. him in a lot of ways and maybe it hurts him in other ways. Let's talk about CJ McCollum. He had a very controlled interview. I feel like yeah. he was very analytical with it. Almost sounded like a journalist himself, really. He just kind of really had the breakdowns going and 
this is what surprised me a little bit. He, he had some comments uh, that you actually made note of here, so I'm glad you heard it too. That he doesn't listen to much. Uh, he doesn't listen much to the trade rumors. He just focuses on what he can control. Fair enough. On one hand, I feel like that's kind of one of those canned answers. You always hear an athlete say just they're just focusing on what they can control. I'm sure they are uh, taught that as kind of something a line to go to. But the idea that CJ McCollum, of all players, doesn't listen to trade rumors, doesn't kind of keep his ear on this stuff. We know he's a sports fan. We know he's on social media. I I, just, I really don't get the feel that he is not aware of kind of the no 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 the sentiment. Here's the thing. You know? No, here's the thing. And to be fair, I love that he said it. He like he's yeah. like I think all he, all all he means is like he's like I'm not gonna let it bother me because he said like I do the exact same things that fans do with me when it comes to trades or I need to play. But I do the exact same things to the Browns. And my friends who play on the Browns because I'm a fan <laughs> of the Browns. So I'm like, oh my yeah, God, okay. so-and-so needs to play better. And I'm like, so well, that's, one my, that, that's one of my friends. But I do the same thing as a fan. So he was basically saying that, like, I get where fans are coming from. They get personally invested in this and that's what they want. Like, I get it. So I'm not going to read into it, let it affect me. I, I'm just going to go to work and take care. And he said this more than once over the years is, is you know, going to control what I can control. That's how CJ McCollum works, going to control what I can control. And that's how well he plays on the court. And that's why I tweeted. I said it uh, a couple podcasts ago, but that's why I tweeted that like CJ McCollum honestly could be the number one option on a lot of teams, but he's the number two in Portland and he doesn't complain about being the number two in Portland. He just goes to work. And I think Portland fan sometimes gets lost in that and they should be, you know, count their blessings, if you will. Like they're lucky to have a star, a secondary star like CJ McCollum who doesn't complain because look again, look what Philly's going through with with their (laughs) secondary star. Kind of yeah, getting pissed off and not wanting to play, play next uh, to Joel Embiid and wants bigger. But the thing is, fans, fans on Twitter, most of them agreed with me. But there were still people like, "Are you crazy? There's no way he's a. He, tell me a team he could be a top player on that's winning more than than 13 games. He's awful. Blah blah." And then you go through the list and like, the, like realistically, if you look at the Eastern Conference, it's like right, like Sixers, Nets, Bucks. Yeah, he's not the top player. New York. He's in the conversation right there with Julius Randle. Him versus Julius Randle? Yeah. Yeah. I, I could probably right? see CJ taking he's, that. He, yeah, he's not the number one in Atlanta. He's not better than Jimmy Butler. But then you go down the, the list, like, he's he's a number one in Indiana, in my opinion. He's a number one in Charlotte. Um, and, yeah, yes, LaMelo Ball is great, but, like, I'm giving the ball to CJ and just letting him go score, especially if LaMelo's the one giving him the ball and finding the yeah, open dude. shots. Heck, yeah. Open he's in the CJ. conversation. Like, He's in that conversation with with the with a Zach Levine, but I think if you were given that head number one role, I think he scores it just as prolifically as Zach. So he's, he could be a number one there. He could be a number one scoring option in Toronto. He's the best player on the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's the best player on the Magic. He's the best player on the Detroit Pistons, who won twenty games. So yeah, they're winning more than thirteen games. Naysayers. Uh, he's he's a number <laughs> one in San Antonio. He's a number one in Sacramento. He's in he's in the conversation with Cat for taking over the number one spot uh, in Minnesota. Even though I. I think cat is Oof. wholly that, I, underrated I might, I might around draw the, the line there yeah i, I feel like that's why i said he's in the combo but cat okay, is okay, wholly yeah. underrated he's cat's the number one but he could still be a, i mean he still could be a number he's the number one guard and he's a huge scoring yeah. threat on, on that team he's the number one in oklahoma city he's a number one in houston that's like half easy, the league yeah. that he's an easy number one in a couple teams like like he could be in the combo to be the number one option in new orleans even though they have brandon ingram and and zion williamson because CJ's just that good, plug and play, go score now. Like, I'm not talking five years from now when, when you know, Zion's going to be even better. But it's like, there, there are so many teams in this league that he could legit go be a number one option on and thrive. And, like, the people who said, tell me a team that he's the number one on who's winning more than 13 games. The Houston Rockets freaking sucked last year. They won 17. <laughs> like, yeah. Like he so, alone, he could carry them easily past like 20 games if they won 17 yeah. last year. And then I also had people who, when I said number one, thought I was talking about position and were like, are you kidding me? He can't play point guard. He's a ball hog. Well, he he can't up. play point guard. To, he can't up. play point guard. Tell me you've never watched a Blazer game without telling yeah. me you've never watched a Blazer game because he's the yeah. team's backup point guard. Like, come on, people. CJ McCollum is so much better than I think casual I mean, NBA fan wants to give him credit for 
the only reason he's ever thrown into so, so many trade conversations because a there is a lot of people and they're they're right in this argument who want to get away from the two undersized guard backcourt that's fair but secondly it's because his skill set plus his money make him a very tradable asset yeah it has nothing to do with how bad or how good he is or disgruntled or wanting to get away from him it's just because he's the easiest person to trade but portland is still very lucky to have him on the roster if they don't trade him that's all i'm saying no, I, I completely agree. And as someone who constantly does talk about CJ trades, and by the way, I want to mark it. I think we hit like 41 minutes before bringing up Ben Simmons in any sort of way. So you're welcome, Chris. I, you know, we, we held off a good bit there on the pod. Uh, but uh, <laughs> as someone who does constantly bring up the CJ trades, I love having him here. He's a, a, he's a very good player on the court. He's a pretty good dude off the court. I've had some minor things where I, you know, kind of like don't always feel great about him, but I love the guy enough that we had a Christmas card with him a couple years ago. I've brought that up before on the pod. And I was very, happy. I still have copies of that around. And I will keep those around forever because it's a great image seeing him do the little kind of the the stacked Christmas tree with my wife and I. Uh, shout out again to Abby for hey. her birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, baby! Uh, but I was on Reddit earlier on the Rip City sub, and I saw something talking about exactly this as far as CJ's real value. Uh, last season, he started. Before his injury, he played 13 games where he was hot, hot, hot. He was, hot. Uh, they, they they compared his number on, on Reddit. Let me see. He was a uh, user Shockwave8428. Shout out to you, man. Uh, hey. Started doing that too. I want to give some credit to credit uh, where credit is due since they did, uh, did put this together themselves. But in the first 13 games, CJ shot 47% of Dame's 44. He was 44 from deep compared to Dame's 37. 84% from the line compared to Dame's 94. But... Dame shot like more than twice the number of free throws. Even the uh, uh, assist to steal ratio, Dame, or sorry, CJ was at five, steal, uh, five assists a game. Dame was at 6.8. CJ's only getting one turnover. Dame's getting just under three. So very arguably, you could say through those f- first 13 games, after I ramble off all those stats, that CJ was playing better than Dame to start the season. I'm not saying he could keep it up the whole time, but we have seen other samples when Dame couldn't play where CJ would go six or 10 games in a row his assist uh, numbers would go way above average. His his shooting, true shooting percentages would jump up because the guy can carry. If, if he has the position, I, I what I'm trying to get at here, I think is the same thing you're saying. So much of what is holding CJ back maybe from being seen as a bigger star is the role here in Portland. He's a second, uh, the, the, the second option essentially. And there are a lot of teams that like you said, he he could very easily slot in as the number yeah. one, if not arguably. That's why we're not going the down eight. the, yeah, we're not going down the Ben Simmons trade route no, again. No, but but I'm not. just saying, that's why I would personally, like, outside of getting Ben Simmons to Portland, I think I think CJ McCollum would thrive in Philly. Because, yeah, he would be, like, he wouldn't be the, the Batman, so to speak, because that's Joel Embiid's team. But he would be the number one guard. So he would be, he would get to dominate the ball offensively, uh, bring the ball up the court, take all those shots. And I think he'd just be able to thrive in that position. Absolutely. But, man. He's great. But he, CJ also had the absolute best line in Media Day, and that was talking about Anthony. No, oh, yeah. Ant. <laughs> Ant. Anthony Simon saying, uh, Ant looks sharp, except for all the tattoos. Except for the tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah, it. Dude. It was a great quote. Great quote. It was excellent. Does CJ not have any tattoos? He's got ink. CJ is not an inked man, man. CJ's clean. I did not know that. That skin is clean. Wow, good for him. I, I like tattoos myself. I, I'm I'm a fan. I like what ants. Uh, I like ants work too, man. We're not gonna get into all the stuff about 15 pounds of muscle, but dude has definitely bulked up. I, I'm I'm curious to see what he's gonna look like. We saw him become a top tier shooting role player last year. You could say, like, right? He, he was yeah. he was top of the NBA as far as three point shooting. Uh, but if he can add in defensive ability, more kind of more more motion, just just keep building on what he what he's done. You and I obviously have talked in the last couple of pots too. Uh, expectations for Ant this season are going to be high. Yep, absolutely they are. I think he's going to be good, very good. Okay, so not sure if there's too many other people we want to hit on from Media Day. Uh, let's talk about Dame though, because he obviously okay. had some some good quotes to go with here. Let's talk about the uh, the accountability, kind of the the. How much do you think Dame is bought in from from what he said on Media Day? Do you feel like he is going to be? Are we going to see uh, a, a defensive step up from him, or is this going to be something where he feels he's kind of passing off to the rest and having to cover for no, him? No, actually, I think if, if there's anybody in the starting lineup or on the team that's going to have pressure to step up defensively, I think it's C.J. McCollum, because I feel like I haven't seen uh, noted improvement on the defensive end from C.J. McCollum. Uh, Dame, on the other hand, I have. 
And if you if you don't think so, maybe you think I'm crazy, but just go back and watch Dame over the years. No, I, think I think he so, gets yeah. I think he gets better defensively every single year. He's not great defensively, but the dude's efforts there. I think he moves well, tries to fight over screens, and if you compare him how he plays on the defensive end of the ball compared to two, three, four years ago, I think it's I think it's better. And so I actually am really excited to see it because I think with the way Coach Billups has obviously put such an emphasis on the defensive side of the ball and holding players accountable. I, I think you might be able to get the best out of Dame on that end. And Dame doesn't have to be great. He just has to be good. And and he's approached that. And I think that he can be even better. I think, like I said, I don't think CJ has shown the same progress on the defensive end. So I think defensively mm. uh, he has the most pressure to show that improvement. Um, because I think Dame's going to get to a point where, like, you want him on the court as much as you can. So you don't have to sub him out if it's a defensive first situation. But, but CJ, you're like, okay, I need to put Ant in there. Or I need to put Noss in there. Or I need to put, you know, Tony Snell or Ben, whoever is the better defensive player. And you're going to have to find ways to get McCollum off. So I think if McCollum says, okay, well, I want to be on the court as much as I can, I'm going to have to get better on the defensive end. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think we're – I think that's an interesting point, actually, as far as Dane making the progress – I wouldn't have thought about CJ not making the same jumps, but w- you would consider CJ more of a, a defensive liability at this point in, in, in the going into the season. I think he's worse defensively than Dame. And I think that, again, I think Dame has shown improvement every single, single year. I think McCollum has kind of been flatline stagnant mm-hmm. on the defensive end. Like he wasn't, he wasn't great. Like he's not like, here's the thing. Like they, they like everyone wants to crap on these guys. Like they're awful. Like CJ's not an awful defender. Not awful, he's yeah. just, he's just like, he's average. Like he's average, maybe slightly below. And then I think Dame is average defender, solid. He's there's no argument in my opinion to say he's a below average defender. He's an average defender. What sets those te- the, the great teams apart is like you look at Milwaukee who's just stacked with great defensive defenders. players. Yeah, yeah. Right. You look at you look at a team like uh Los Angeles who has put a ton of emphasis on guys who are outside I mean, yeah, they signed Mello, but hello like <laughs> Dwight Howard Dwight Howard is still a pain in the paint defensively. Anthony Davis, one of the best defensive big men in the game. LeBron James can still guard one through five. Russell Westbrook, yeah, he's going to give it to you on both ends of the floor. Rajon Rondo has made in his entire living being a defensive point guard. So it's like those are all guys who are who are good to great like defenders as where, like I said, Dame is a solid average. I, there's not an argument for him to be below average. He's an average defender. Portland needs him to be a good defender and, <laughs> and then they need everyone else to step up and be good to great. Well, to those improvements, as far as the stepping up, he did talk about uh, the new staff and new faces. I think mostly he's talking about the coaching staff and, and also like Larry Nance, he mentioned uh, he said, obviously gives us a step in the right direction. So I do like the idea that he's, you know, uh, like uh, going to be held more accountable and, and focused and ready to like kind of play more defense this year. I worry a little about maybe, is there going to be some of that where, how much of it is, is him relying on other people to be more defensive players around him and him not doing as much on that end. But like you said, if he can stay at average, that's not the worst case scenario. It could be a, it's not the worst problem to have as far as a, 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 a gap, a hole. Yeah. I just, what you got to do, if you're Damon CJ, what you need, like uh, what you need to do is you've, you've shown over the years that you're not going to stop players one-on-one. That's just not where your, your best skill set is. Right. But what you need to do is you need to make it as hard as you can for those players to get to the paint and get those buckets and know that you have know that you have Nurk there, know that you have uh, Zeller when he's on the floor, know that you have Larry Nance Jr., who's a very good defender. And so if I'm in those pick-and-roll situations and I see the pick coming, you, you've seen it all the time from players around the NBA. The pick comes. They don't even try to fight around the pick. And now that guy gets get that guy gets around the pick and he has a full head of steam into the paint, so he's gonna attack, attack, attack. Now, if I'm Damon CJ, I might not be able to stop the guy, but if I fight through those picks and make it as hard as him to get around the pick as possible, by the time he does get around it, my help defense is there and the the the, the lane is gone. That's what you need to do is just make it hell on him the best you can. And I think it's gonna happen with Billups. Like I, I'm intrigued. I'm excited to see what happens. I just hope they don't come out and lay an egg and their defense looks as bad as ever. But I don't well, the, think that's going to be the case. The, the other part that will help that is the, is the offseason acquisitions. And Dame mentioned those as well as far as Zeller, uh, Nance, and the rest. 
my, my, my thing with this with Dame's comments, again, I wish I had the full quotes in front of me, um, but it seemed a little Olshay-ish how he responded, where it was kind of these almost canned answers. You could tell, you know, he mentioned these weren't maybe the players that, that, you, that you dreamed of getting, but he's also happy with the improvements. And I mean, yeah, there's no denying that Larry Nance uh, Jr., Cody Zeller, uh, these are going to be more defensive players than we've had last year. If you just think of them replacing Cantor and Mello, for example, so it, it, like it's, it is going to look better. I'm just, I, I'm. I mean, and you have to like, it's it's hard to say. People don't want to do it, but you do have to give Olshay a little bit of credit. Uh, the offseason acquisitions via free agents uh, were they didn't move the needle. Yeah. How now? And like, here's the thing: like, Olshay is going to defend that, right? He's going to say, you know. Well, we didn't have a lot of assets. We didn't have a lot of money to work with. We got the best that we could with the assets we had. But at the same time, there is a reason you don't have the assets. And that's the moves you've made over the years. So you're kind of responsible for lack of assets and lack of ability to make moves on on the free agent market. So that is on you. I just got to say that wasn't nearly condescending enough to be what Olshay would say. But please continue. <laughs> <laughs> but... But you do have to give him credit for that Nance move because that, to me, drastically changed many people's opinions yeah. on the offseason. Like, no, I definitely. Think, like, that was big. Like, I, I, they got probably a CC plus on the offseason overall. Like I said, free agency moves were, they were meh. Like, they were, they yeah. were the, it's the same exact thing we've seen in the last few years. Like, seriously, they were, it, it, it's, it's a retread, maybe a slightly better retread uh, of, of, uh, Anthony Tolliver, Mario Hazonia, and Pau Gasol, right? That's basically what you just got because you got Tony Snell, who everyone is, is he's he's a knockdown three-pointer, he's 40%. That, that was Anthony Tolliver. You got you got Ben <laughs> Backlamore, the athletic shooting guard. Uh, he's, a, he's a much better shooter than Mario Hazonia, but athletically, he's Mario Hazonia. It's the athletic and then, you, and, and, then, and then you got the center, who is a, a little more defensive-minded, who gives you more than Ennis Cantor did, that's Pau Gasol. Like, like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, so like, and, and yes, they're not all the same player, but the point is the free agency approach is the exact same. It's the exact same. You're, you're bringing in the exact same players, hopefully. And that finally, these can be the ones that fill that hole these rather than fall teams, through yeah. it. Right. And so the, the moves there were, they didn't move the needle off. The Larry Nance jr. Move changes everything because he adds depth exactly where you needed it at, at the four. He can play the five, Hell, the dude can play the three if you want to go super big, no problem. He's he's good defensively in the paint. He moves his feet well. He's going to be able to guard guys a, a, up top the key as well. He's going to be able to score. He's athletic. Like he's Makes everything. Plays. He's yeah. everything at this point in his career that you needed. That, that Carmelo Anthony was not as your backup power forward. And so it, that to me completely changed the offseason grade uh, for the Blazers. And honestly, kind of made me change my outlook on the Blazers as a team because of the way it balanced the roster a little bit. So I'll give him credit on the Nance moves, but the free agency moves were just, to be honest, like I just outlined, they were the same moves we see every single year, just slightly different variation on those same type of players. I, I do feel like Nance real quick too. He's I'm excited for him, man, because he, he does seem to be very much like a Portland type personality. He mentioned the Timbers and Thorns games. He mentioned wanting to bring his, uh, his daughter to games. Uh, he, he also kind of hinted at maybe some like progressive ideals versus kind of conservative ideals when he kind of compared uh, things out in Ohio and the rest. I think he's going to fit in here well on and off the court. I'm excited about that part of it. Let's stick with Dame though in some of his comments. He also talked about getting married and having kids. And I kind of want to tie this back towards uh, vaccine, the, the quotes that he had on the vaccine, like we said earlier, but he mentioned with uh, getting married and ha having kids, it kind of put him in his place. Uh, that the, the the woman he married uh, is, is and had his child with is, is their relationship began in college. And so it's this thing where he's been through ups and downs and he think it's helped kind of mature him uh, over time. And I, again, you know, Dame has never been an immature player, I think, in, in relative standards to most. He's always been kind of he's a four year dude when he came into the NBA. So he's always been a little bit more on the mature side of things. But it was cool hearing this and you know him talking about how it centered him. Uh, so you tie that in towards when he was then later asked about vaccines. Right off the top, he says it's about keeping his family safe, his family and the loved ones, um, that he, you know, it just seemed like the right thing to do. And he had some comments about when he was told he could get the vaccine if he wanted. His first question was, can I bring them along? Can I bring my family and get them all vaccinated as well? He was just on board for it. Uh, but like we mentioned earlier, Chris, 
just to kind of tie this back towards the some of the other players and some of the people are kind of pushing back on the vaccine without really giving their reasons. Dame had a quote about, as a kid, I had to get shots my whole life. In college, I had to get them. You couldn't tell me about any of them. It's not like he knew all the ingredients and everything that was going into each of these. Not like he'd done all of his own ample research or anything like that, uh, like we are now hearing about. But he did it because it's the right thing. It's what is safe to protect him and his family and his loved ones. What is your response to that? I loved it. That's 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 been my argument anytime that I talk to to someone that that hasn't got a vaccine and their argument is you know like yeah it's just I don't know what's in it or this and that and I'm like dude we've been like like you had to have vaccines to go to school I had to have all my vaccines up to up to uh, up to date before I could enroll at the University of Oregon like vaccines have been around and I've had to get them forever and what makes this one any different and it's just it's funny one of one of my super good super good friends smart slight flex like one of my super good friends here is like is a legit scientist and does work on kind of stuff and i just you won't even talk anything so you're like science and covid and he just rolls his eyes like don't please just please (laughs) just please don't get me started i'm like yeah let's have a beer let's talk about something else like like trust him he's a legit scientist but yeah yeah it's uh i I, it's 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 a good approach it's it's a good approach it's the approach that i went with it's the approach that i align with so yeah i i respect it i like i like hearing it from him yeah man uh uh, and, and I'm not, not, not but on the same on, on the that, but hey on the same token though like CJ McCollum I thought also had a great quote when it came to to talking about the players who aren't vaccinated and that was talking about his role in in the players association but he's talking about like there's 450 different players in the league that means there's there's 450 different mindsets 450 different thoughts on the vaccine 450 different upbringings just 450 different ways to approach life and and so he's like you got to be you got to be respectful of that and and uh it is and like i said like i know it's it's not what everyone always wants to hear but it's like if you're gonna not get the vaccine whatnot like i'm gonna make my conscience decisions to stay away from you or whatever i feel comfortable with but i'm not gonna completely just like outline you as like the world's most evil person now when you're spreading conspiracy theories and nonsense (laughs) trying to trying to tell the world that you know vaccines uh magnetize you because i can stick a key to my sweaty neck and i also yeah or or i also (laughs) like how i obviously have no idea how electron bonding works like (laughs) guess what long long before long before the covid vaccine came around i could rub a balloon on my head and if i put it on the wall it would stay on the wall somebody tell me how that happens what were they putting in my what were they putting in my flu vaccines when i was a child (laughs) that makes this balloon stick to the wall like i said you've obviously never heard of electron bonding like that's Tape just isn't simple Science, sticky. Chris. Electron bonding <laughs> plays a role in how tape sticks too. This is simple, simple stuff, people. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Before we see, here we go. We're gonna get Chris fired up about this. We brought the we brought up the vaccines. I think maybe three times throughout the episode. That is uh, that's three strikes. I should have known better. But that uh, is three strikes. I want to talk <laughs> basketball. I want to talk basketball. I, like my my daily life and most of the people's. Uh, listing this daily life is consumed by covid it's so taxing yeah no it, it really is it's dumb that we are talking about this this far into this that is still a thing but also like you said and like cj pointed out even even the the people we mentioned here Kyrie, andrew wiggins uh um bradley beal they each have their own individual it, it, they are each objecting essentially to different cases even if they won't tell us a lot of details right. uh jonathan isaac's the same way more of a religious base michael border jr he's had uh kind of an anti-vax background in his own way and he actually did speak up a little bit more in detail which maybe we can discuss in the future if we really have to uh but these are all individuals with different opinions so it's not like it can just be laid out that they are like you they're they're not the worst, most evil people. There are more evil people out there, but there are, you know, they, at a certain point, it's going to come to if you're not doing things to help the people around you. That's a certain amount of evil. Uh, but it's one way or another. It's it shouldn't still be a topic of conversation at this point. As we approach the season, though, it hopefully will be less and less. Hey, I'm still telling you, like I told you last podcast, the NBA is missing the most epic opportunity at advertising here with the whole, <laughs> you know. You got you got to take a shot to take a shot. Take the shot. To take the shot. It's 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 a ready-made advertising campaign for the NBA. It's it's 
just load in a montage of a uh, of of John Travolta from Pulp Fiction, man. Just you know, lots of different clips, and then take the shot or whatever his line is from that. Uh, yeah, no, it's <laughs> tough. Like I said, it's tough. It's a slip, slippery slope. There's always going to be some people, like even just talking about it here, that are going to be possibly upset with something I said or you said, and it's just like, dude, like I, like at the end of the day. At the end of the day, all I want is normalcy and to be able to hug everyone and see everyone again. And I want to be able to go back out to uh, a restaurant or a bar with my friends and not have to worry about all the strangers around me. And be like, that's all I want at the end of the day. You know, like (laughs) love and hugs. That's all I want, man. That's all I care about. That's all I care about. I want to get back to a time when people just aren't ridiculing everybody for their decisions because we don't have to worry about this stuff, but we have to get over that first. There is a pandemic here. The world has a history of them. And again, those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. So come on now. Well, like Chris said, if you uh, if anything that we said today upsets you or makes you happy or if you have any response to it at all, please send emails to trailcasters at gmail.com or look us up on Twitter at trailcasters. You can also send uh, all of your real hate mail, anything that really upset you. If you really want to lay into us, send that over to at uh, Christopher J. Burkhart on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> no, you only send me send the, send the hate to you. Send me the loves. I like hugs. I <laughs> loves like and hugs. hugs. Send the loves and I'm hugs a, to Christopher J. Burkhart. I will deal with the I'm hate. A, and I'll just click delete yeah. and ignore that. I'm a lover, not a fighter. That's why you've already <laughs> said you've you've already called me out more than once for not being uh, critical enough or <laughs> or mean enough. So you're the you're the fighter. I'm the lover. You're you're the bully. I'm not sure. I don't know how you're trying to change the narrative here. I'm not not don't know. Don't. The, <laughs> but hey, speaking of changing the narrative, let's talk about what we have coming up next real quick and then we'll get out of here. We are going to be starting some episodes as that we're, we're we're like three weeks away from the season here. Uh, season five of the Trailcasters, the 2021-22 season for the Blazers. And we are going to bring some new things about uh, on the Trailcaster side, not the Blazers side yet. Uh, we're going to be doing some shows on Twitter Spaces, Chris. You and I hopping on there, doing this pod, kind of doing this kind of rundown with... Uh, some other friends with live listeners maybe with the and so listeners if you want to join in when once we get on twitter spaces we've also talked about youtube jumping on there so we will get kind of plans going and obviously once i get into the studio here is where it's not just the bowflex exercise room it'll be the podcast trailcasters podcast recording headquarters uh with some cameras and the rest we'll get all that set up this is just Keith's long-winded way of saying we're going to try to find more and more avenues to interact with our fan base to grow our fan base to get more than just me downloading the podcast and listening to myself we gotta get everybody on here man yeah yeah i can't just be burkhart and uh and my family that's listening to us out here uh but so yeah if, if any of you listeners want to to join us find us on twitter spaces keep an eye out on youtube tv uh or not youtube tv keep an eye out on youtube maybe eventually on youtube tv we might have to join a bigger network for that one uh but in closing your honorable listeners that's it that's our show for this week thank you chris burkhart thank you odor for the fat beats and thank you listeners for a great listening we hope you enjoy your blazers your ripsy basketball right around the corner and our latest episode thank you again and please come back next week for the next edition of the trailcasters bum, ba, da, bum, ba, ba, ba.